Good morning, Sherwood. Are you, I know you're glad you came. And I know you're glad you're listening online, watching us online. Here's the message. The tomb is empty, the throne is occupied, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? That's the message of, uh, for now and forevermore. And thank you so much, Ignite. In fact, a little tidbit, uh, I am on the board of uh, trustees at University of Mobile. We're proud of these guys and gals as they're traveling around. As you know, surely Sherwood knows, Roger Breland has not found a college student yet that cannot sing, or he cannot make sing or get involved in a musical opportunity. So I uh, love those guys and gals. Thank you so much for allowing me to be back with you. Uh, it's been a few years. It's always good to be back at a place. I uh, get invited to go to a lot of places. <laughs> Very few ever invite me back. So yeah, I'm thankful that you guys allowed me to come back today. I want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. As we're talking about this Palm Sunday, uh, you know, we've gone through a lot. In fact, I, I told someone the other day, if I hear that phrase, unprecedented times, Ever, I'm going to kick someone in the shins, okay? Because I, it's, it's been for the last 18 months now, I feel like, we've heard unprecedented, unprecedented. But we are now in a very pivotal moment in our history, in our, mo in our lifetime. It reminds me of in Luke when John the Baptist is uh, in jail and he's about to uh, give his life. And he has his disciples go to Jesus and they have one question. Are you the one? Are you the one that we've been waiting on? Because at that moment in time, they had to, John the Baptist realized this, this, was, this was the moment he was about to cross the line. And I feel like maybe the Church of America is at that point where we're, de we're determining, is he the one? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus the one that can still do what we read about in God's Word? Is Jesus the one that can still turn um, uh, someone's life around? Is Jesus the one that can still reconcile a marriage? Is Jesus the one that can even get us through this pandemic and see better days ahead of us? So in Hebrews chapter 10... I believe the writer here answers that with a resounding yes. You remember how Jesus told his disciples to go back to John the Baptist. Huh? He, we've seen the, uh, the, the blind see. We've seen the, uh, the, the, the dead come alive. And I believe that message for this Palm Sunday needs to be a resounding yes. Jesus is enough. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to catch the writer in mid-thought. Look with me down, starting in verse 11. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it goes like this. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Now look in verse 17. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's good news on Palm Sunday. 
Father, our heads are bowed. More importantly, our hearts are open. We thank you for the worship. We pray that it was pleasing in your sight because we're an audience of one. Lord, we know that we walked inside this room with so many different circumstances and situations and lifestyles and those that are watching online. Lord, it goes beyond human comprehension. But we acknowledge that you're aware of each of our needs. And it's our prayer that you meet us right where our need begins and bring us to where we need to be. Lord, we pray that you show up because when you show up, you're going to show off for your glory. And throughout everything, we're going to give you the praise and the honor because, quite honestly, you're the only one in this room who's worthy of it. And we pray our prayer in the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, you can tell I'm a little bit excited. I mean, last year, uh, we were going to have the largest year of ministry. Uh, We started out at our student conference. You allowed Pastor Ken to come up and help us. We had Kanye West and the Sunday service and 18,000 students, and it was just bonkers. And then March happened, and I was at home twiddling my thumbs, okay? So, hey, I have been pent up since last March. Y'all watch it. I am coming with both barrels loaded today, okay? Because, man, I am so tired of being in church with pajama pants on. I'm just glad to have dress pants on this morning to be here with you to say that Jesus Christ can change anyone's life. You think about the one focal point of every church across our, 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 our world. It is that of the cross. Why does the cross stand so significant? We talk about the manger at Christmas time that comes in and comes out. We talk about the empty tomb at Easter, and that's our celebration every single day. But it seems like that one symbol in every church I've gone into is that of the cross. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross, and why is that significant in our life? The writer of Hebrews lays it out before us, gives us several reasons, and I want you to keep your Bible open or at least watch the screens as the verses come up, and I want to share uh, share with you about the, the significance of the cross. The first place I'm going to go to is back to verse 11 and 12, when he is talking about the priest, and he stands ministering, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, and he says, which can never take away sins. But look in verse 12. But this man, talking about Christ Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. The first aspect of the death of Jesus on the cross is it is a sacrificial death. And when we talk about being a sacrificial death, I'm not talking about the way we use sacrifice in today's language. We'll talk about sacrifice like, you know what, I'm only going to get three outfits today, it's a sacrifice, okay? Or, or I'm only going to go through the, the, the once open buffet line. Y'all remember those? I, I'm only going to go through the buffet line once because, you know, it's a sacrifice. That's not the language being used in Hebrews 10. The writer is referring back to the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Do you remember that there was one day out of the year called the Day of the Atonement? When the high priest would enter into the the, the tabernacle and go into that place called the Holy of Holies. And that high priest would lay upon the altar an animal. And that animal's blood would be sacrificed as a covering of the sins of the people. Now you got to realize they knew that, that the blood of an animal could never take away sins. In fact, 
Look with me up in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 10. He puts it out pretty obvious. The writer says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So, so they had to do it every year. It was a ritual. But ladies and gentlemen, there was a prophecy. In fact, for, for, the, for the sake of time, you go to Isaiah chapter 53. You don't have to turn there. Just write that in the margin of Hebrews chapter 10, Isaiah 53. Because in Isaiah 53, the prophet Isaiah says it like this. He will be led as a lamb to the slaughter. Now, I know you're sitting there going, okay, we get that. Hey, hey, please understand something. We are looking back at an event. Isaiah is looking forward to an event, and when he uses the word he, it is almost like uh, uh, an explosion in the mind of a Hebrew. Because in our language this morning, in the English language, we have three forms. We have masculine, we have feminine, we have neuter. He, she, and what? It. In the Hebrew language, there's only two forms. Masculine, feminine, no neuter. So if you're talking about an animal, you can't say he, you can't say it, you have to mention the animal. So when Isaiah 53 says he will be led as a lamb to the... All of a sudden, in the, in the minds of, of the people, it was that this is not going to be an animal sacrifice. This is going to be a living, breathing, a, 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 a man will be sacrificed for our sins. Now you take that to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, when John the Baptist is baptizing his disciples, he looks up and he sees Jesus. Do you remember how he announced him? He said, behold the Lamb of God, which is to come to do what? To take away the sins of the world. Take that back to John, uh, Hebrews 10.4 when it says the blood of animals can never take away sins. John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the one who's to come to not forgive us of our sins, but to take away our sins. So when Jesus went to the cross... He was a living, breathing man, and for 33 years he walked among us, and he never once says, pay me. He doesn't even say, thank me. He says, follow me, because he went to the cross, and when they lifted him up with one hand, because he was firmly grasped to God's deity, because he is all God. But with the other hand, he could reach out to the sinfulness of mankind, and when they lifted Jesus Christ up, he became a sacrifice for my sin. I'm telling you, some of you are sitting there right now going, thank you for the Bible lesson. But how is this relevant going through a pandemic? How is this relevant in 2021? I'm going to tell you why it's relevant. Because the message hadn't changed. There had to be a sacrifice. This was not just for those in the New Testament. You see, we all have one thing in common. You may not know me. I may not know you. But we've all, we've all sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every, in fact, if you don't believe me, I'm going to ask you a question. If you've ever told a lie, ever, I'm not talking about today, okay? If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, would you just raise your hand right now? Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Now I want you to look around the room. Do you see all the other hands of the liars who came to church this morning? Y'all see that? All right, you can drive. And if you're watching online, you know you've done something wrong. The Bible says, for all have sinned. How does that, how does that happen? We don't know each other. We didn't all grow up together. But it's a universal fact. All of us have done something wrong. You have to go back to the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden, you've got to realize there is deep spiritual truth because the woman was deceived. 
But the man, Adam, deliberately disobeyed. And from that moment, sin has entered the veins of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're sinners before a holy God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please, I love to preach about the love of God. I love to preach about the forgiveness of God. But I have never read in my Bible where it says three times he's loving, loving, loving. I've never read where it says three times he's forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. But you know what I do read? Constantly. He is holy, holy, holy. Absolutely perfect. So understand I'm separated from him. And the reason why I get a little excited when I'm talking about Jesus is because I know I have been barred from going into God's presence by myself. But here's the good news. When I couldn't come to him, he came to me. Jesus is the one who died on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin. He died as a sacrifice for your sin. And when Jesus died, it's a sacrificial death. Now, not only is it a sacrificial death, I want you to see the second thing, and that is it is a single death. When I say a single death, I want you to go down to verse 14. Listen to what the writer says here. He says, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So when I say it's a single death, let me, let, me, let, me paraphrase, let me give you two aspects of this. The first aspect is only Jesus could do it. You see, you could be sitting there today going, well, I'll pay for my own sins. You can't because you're a sinner. Jesus is the only one who could pay that price for you. If we've sinned, we've separated ourselves from God. So only Christ can be the one who paid the sacrifice for us. Doesn't matter how much money you drop in the offering plate, doesn't matter how good you've tried to be, in the same way, I'd say it doesn't matter how bad you've been, doesn't matter how far you've gone, Jesus Christ is the power to cleanse anyone's past because he is the sacrifice, single in that only Jesus can do it. Let me give you the second aspect, single in that it will never happen again. Now, when I say that, I know you're going, my goodness, Michael, Pastor Cat, why in the world would you bring an evangelist in to say something so elementary like Jesus will never die on the cross again? Can I just be straight up with you? Because now in America, when I'm sharing my faith, it's almost like people are looking at me and going, and, 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 can, can I tell you something? God's on record, he loves you. God's on record that he would... He sacrificed his son for our, us to have life. But Jesus will never die on the cross again. It is almost like people are going, well, maybe if something spectacular happens. We live in the age of being spectacular. We've got to have more lights. We've got to have more smoke. We've got we to we have more, more, more. And I'm going, ladies and gentlemen, what would he have to do? Maybe this morning, if your roof were to part and the skies would separate and you would see him as he is, would that be enough for you to surrender your life to Jesus? Because i got news for you. If you wait till that happens... <laughs> probably waited too late. The world says, prove it to me, then I believe. Jesus says, believe me, I'll prove myself to you. He will never go to the cross again. The first time he came, yep, he was born in a manger. Next time he comes, he'll be wrapped in majesty. First time he came, they, 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 uh, they, they allowed him to ride a donkey, like we're talking about this morning, Palm Sunday, into the city. The next time he comes, he'll be riding a white stallion to victory. The first time he came, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head. But ladies and gentlemen, the next time he comes, he is crowned king of 
kings. Jesus Christ will never suffer through the cross again. So if you're sitting out there waiting for the next revelation, waiting for something more spectacular, can I ask you something? Just allow the smoke to clear. Allow the, the lights to fade. And maybe this morning to take an evaluation of your life to go, has Jesus Christ changed my life? There's a Russian proverb. Now, I know we shouldn't talk about Russia too much. But anyway, there, there's a, there's a Russian. They're probably listening to us now. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Hear about Jesus. Anyway, um, but... There's a Russian proverb, over 200 years of age. Here's what it says. Those who've been infected with the disease of Jesus will never be cured. Take that on a pandemic. They're talking about vaccinations. I don't know if you're going to get one or not. I, I, I mean, I'm not up in Alabama. We're always 20 years behind, so we're going to catch up soon. But anyway, um, I, we ain't got ours yet. And I don't know if you're going to get it or not, but let me tell you what a vaccination is. I was going to get a vaccination because I was going on a mission trip. I'll never forget this. The doctor was about to give it to me, and I stopped him. I said, Bert, what are you about to put in me? I'll never forget what he did. He stopped, he tilted his head back, and he started chuckling. And he said, well, be honest with you, Scott, I'm about to give you the disease. But then he stopped. He said, but don't, don't, don't worry. I'm just going to give you enough of, him, of it so that your body can build a defense and you'll never become infected. Ladies and gentlemen, Albany, Georgia, the buckle of the Bible belt. If you're not careful, you won't be infected with Jesus. You'll just get enough of him into your system to become vaccinated against him. Where, where, you, where you can come to the services and listen to the, because these folks are talented, listen to the message as long as it's not too long and there's a couple of jokes in it. And walk out of here, and if you're sitting there going, I don't know if I'm infected with Jesus or vaccinated against him, here's the question. Look at me, don't miss this. Has Jesus changed your life? If he hadn't, don't walk out that back door until you open up this door and say yes to him. You see, it's a, it's a sacrificial death. It's a single death. Let me, let, me, let me give you the third one. It is also a satisfying death. Go down, go down to verse 17. I love how the writer puts it. He says, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Man, all of a sudden we understand Jesus did not only come just to forgive us, he came to cleanse us. Because if all he did was forgive us, we still have a problem called sin. It's forgiven, but it's still there. No, when Paul says, I am a new creation... It means I'm not, I'm not turning over a new leaf. I've become a whole new tree. All of a sudden, Jesus has changed everything about me. And the writer here says their sins and their lawless deeds will remember to do more, no more. So two aspects of this. First of all, the sacrifice has been received because of what took place on Resurrection Sunday. When they placed Jesus' body in that borrowed tomb and they put a big stone in front of it and the whole world seemed to whisper, it's over, he's out of here. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out. He was not cramped up inside that tomb going, man, I hope they don't forget about me. Understand, the stone was rolled away to allow us to go in and find that he who went in is no longer in. Ladies and gentlemen, he's out. Jesus Christ is alive. The sacrifice has been received. Second of all, what makes it satisfying is those of us who know Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus changed your life? Amen? Amen. How in the world are we going to keep this message away from our neighbors, our friends? So I can only come up with two reasons. 
One, we've never experienced him. Or two, we don't believe he can do it. We're sitting here in the middle of, uh, of everything that we put our trust and hope in as we can see it in a human mind has been snatched from us. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred. The word defer means to snatch away. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there's just a lot of sick people out there going, not, not, not with just the illness, but there's a lot of depression and discouragement. And some of us are sitting in here today going, God, can you do it? He changed my life. He changed your life. He can change their life. Amen. Man, let me just tell you about how many people are searching. I, I won't take long, but I got, I got a couple of quotes here. In fact, Cameron Diaz in USA Today, she said, I hate people. When I say I hate people, I count myself. I haven't done anything drastic to change the world nor prove I like myself. USA Today newspaper. Harrison Ford in GQ magazine was asked the question uh, of, of, um, of something, and here's how he responded. Quote, I've come to the point of realizing you only want out of life what you ain't got. The reporter followed it up by saying, what is it that you don't have? you got to understand, Harrison Ford, one of the most successful movie stars in Hollywood's history, his movies have grossed over $6 billion. You know how he responded? He gave a one-word response. Peace. This world is searching. This world is asking what is real. The show's over. If you hadn't, everything we put our trust in has been snatched away. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, and the world is searching, and you and I have the cure. We, you, you know what? There's only two cures. Oh, you're going to love the can Can I just hold on for a second? There are only two known cures for COVID. Nasal saline and ultraviolet rays. You know what this preacher heard? Salt and light. There's only two cures for our world. Salt and light. It's satisfying. That he changed my life. And I'm not going to be quiet. Amen. I'm going to give you the final aspect and then we're done. I want you to go to uh, the final part, and they're going to bring this up on the screen because I didn't read it. Start in verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Look in verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without the mercy of the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy? Who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. Sobering words on a Sunday morning. For us to discover, not only is it a sacrificial death, not only is it a single death, not only is it a satisfying death, let me give you the final one. It is a sacred death. You don't take it lightly. You don't look at this and tip our hat towards him and, and maybe just kind of go, man, he's the God of multiple choice for me. If I have to put him in line, yep, I'm going to pick Jesus. Nope, he will never allow you to pick him out of multiple choice. He is either Lord over, over all or he's not Lord at all. It's our decision. And what, what the writer here is saying is, he, he's saying, man, if we get to the point where we just counted a common thing, 
We've insulted the spirit of grace. How dare we continue to live our lives like Jesus' death was just a casual event. He gave up everything so that we could have life. But it's not absolute freedom. It is called to be in the bonds of Christ. Enslaved men and women have no rights. So whatever he tells me to do, however he tells me to act, wherever he tells me to go, I've just got one word called obedience. In fact, mark this phrase down. Obedience demands no explanation. If, if, If you have children that only obey when they understand, you don't have obedient kids. You have complicit kids. God's never called us to be complicit. In America, in this room right now, can I be honest with you? We've got a lot of complicit people. If you understand what God's doing, you're going to follow him. Right now, we don't understand. By the way, if you ever understand everything your God's doing, your God's not big enough. There's no way a finite mind can ever capture an infinite God. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So you know what happens? I have to live by faith. And when his spirit prompts me, when he speaks, it is not up for debate. It is not to be questioned. It is to be carried out. And some of us are in this room. We're perfectly content with being complicit. But we've never crossed that line to be obedient. Tom Elliff, who's been here for several weeks, I talked to him this past week. I said, Tom, you've used this illustration. Can I use it? And he was like, yeah, I've used it. Sure would. You know how Tom is. I've preached there over 100 times. You know, so you, if you've heard it, it was back when he was pastoring. had a little boy on a bike. The family, uh, they, were, they had a little boy. and It's a very gripping story. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a synopsis of it. The little boy was riding his bike out in the road, got hit by a car tragedy. Everybody showed up. They called the ambulance. The parents weren't going to wait. They grabbed the boy up in their arms, put him in the, in the back seat, jumped in the car, took off to the hospital. They called the hospital on ahead. They got there. They put the boy on the stretcher, wheeled him in. Church started showing up. The doctor came out and gave the saddest words any human would ever have to share. I'm sorry we did everything we could, but, but we lost him. They the church was there to minister, but the, the mom and dad, they were, you know. So the dad decided to drive the mom home that night. And when they were driving home, the way Tom tells it is he pulled off the side of the road right before their house. And he was just engulfed with emotion. But when the father dropped his hands from his face, he looked out the windshield. And almost like a magnetic attraction, he started focusing in on seeing where his son was lying in the street and he got more focused and he saw the dry cake blood on the street but then he became distracted because cars were coming home they they didn't know what had happened they were coming home from work coming home from their uh, obligations but that just got all over the dad and the dad jumped out of the car jumped uh, tore off his blazer started waving cars down he started screaming you can't do this you can't do this this is my son my son died here this is my son's blood and when he tells that story it is so gripping that we can, we can understand the emotion of a father, but ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing for lost people to act like lost people. You know why lost people act like lost people? Because they're lost. But you know what's tragic? It's when we have saved people acting like lost people. When we have saved people walking around like Jesus giving his life, yeah, so what? I'm calling this church into a focus of this palm Passion Week of when Jesus gave his life. Let's live. Let's live in light of it. Don't allow God to go, wait a minute. This is my son's blood.
my son died here. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Uh, we're going to ask uh, some of the Ignite team to come, and they're going to get ready for the invitation. I know you've got uh, stuff going on. We live in such a busy culture, and I know there's a tendency right now, if you're watching online, just kind of go, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going I'm to fade off into the sunset here. Now, I'm going to ask everybody here, unless it's an emergency, would you please refrain and just focus in for the next two minutes? Because inside this room and right now and, uh, as I'm speaking to you online, there are people who have never received Jesus. And it's not by running up and down these aisles. It's not by screaming at the top of your lungs. It's one word. It's called surrender. Crossing the line. Paul says in Romans 10, he says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word call means to stretch forth. It'd be like if you were drowning in a body of water and somebody threw you a life preserver. What are you going to do? You're going to grab the life preserver. Now, you could be sitting there going, wait a minute, that means I saved myself. No, i got to remind you, you're drowning. You can't save yourself. You have to trust the life preserver. Scott Dawson's not the life preserver. Sherwood Baptist Church is not the life preserver. Everything you've put your trust in so far has not been the life preserver. Jesus is who we're talking about. And you, have to, you have to call upon the name of the Lord. I know no better way to lead a person to Christ than by prayer. It's a prayer that I can't do for you, your friends can't do it for you, your children can't do it for you, your spouse can't do it for you, your parents can't do it for you. It has to be your decision. And right there in the privacy of your own home or right there in your own pew inside this room, if you're in this room and you've never accepted Christ into your heart, there's never been a life change take place, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer inside your heart. The person beside you will not know what's going on, but the Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of God. It goes like this. Dear God, I know I've done some things wrong, but I know you love me. To the point, you sent your son to die on the cross for me. So right now, the best way I know how, I receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. I know you love me. Help me to love you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Heads are bowed. If you're in this room and you just prayed to receive Jesus, he's not a God that's going to play games with you. He's a God that's going to plant roots in your life. And in just a few moments, we're going to stand. And when we stand, there's going to be pastors here at the front. They're going to be masked up, so there's not going to be any type of problem or hindrance. But as soon as we stand, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or let's be honest, the first time you meant it, you did business with Jesus. You crossed the line. As soon as you come forward, I'm going to ask you to grab their hand and say, man, I prayed to receive Jesus this morning. Nothing to be embarrassed about. No humiliation whatsoever. You're saying, why are you asking us to come? Well, it's not based on what I say because it really doesn't matter what I say. Jesus is the author and finisher of our salvation. You know what Jesus says? He puts it like this. Please put this in perspective. He says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I don't want you to walk out of here in a half-truth. If you're not willing to come forward in a church service of people who love Jesus, who are going to uh, appreciate you, rejoice with you, celebrate with you, if you're not willing to tell these people you're a follower of Jesus, do you really believe you're going to be able to go out in this world and tell them you're a follower of Jesus? You may be the only one that comes. I'd rather you be the only one down front than for you to sit back, wait on what everyone else is doing. You know what? Jesus never says, follow my followers. Jesus says, follow me. So as soon as we stand, I'm calling you to follow Jesus. 
Others may be in this room that are going, man, I've been complicit, but I've not been obedient in what God's telling me to do in my life. There's some lifestyle issues I've got to surrender before the cross. There's some things going on in my life I've got to just confess and get it out of. I'm tired of being complicit. I'm ready to be obedient. As soon as we stand, I'm going to ask you to come. We're going to pray, and then after we pray, we're going to stand. As soon as we stand, the pastors are going to be in the front. They're going to be masked up. I know I know you may be a little concerned. I promise you, these men and women care for you. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to keep your safety as their utmost priority. But you know what? We're concerned about the illness, but we're more concerned about your soul. And so this morning, as Jesus speaks, you come. You trust him. It's a great opportunity for you to respond right now. Father, thank you for what you're going to do across this room. I pray that as you show up, you'll show off, off for your glory. I pray for every person in this room that just prayed to receive you. God, give them boldness and guts like they've never known before. I pray for families to be reunited. I pray for lives to be changed. God, I pray for the, for, I pray for the prisoner to be set free. We'll give you the praise and glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. You come right now. Come.